0: Forever,
1: everyone is so funny in new york i never thought of myself as funny because everyone else was exponentially funnier you know the guy on the subway who's you know what i mean doing whatever the fuck
0: he's doing Welcome to Household Faces, the podcast where a character actor interviews other character actors. I'm your host, John Ross Bowie. You might know me from Speechless, The Big Bang Theory, or that one episode of Las Vegas where I play a guy who hacks blackjack tables. It doesn't kind of make sense out of context. Our guest today is Ana Ortiz, a dear friend of mine. You know, Ana from Ugly Betty, Devious Maids, from Love, Victor, all sorts of TV and film and theater work, particularly with the Labyrinth Theater or The Lab in New York. Um, As I said, she's also a dear friend. And uh, look, this podcast gets a little flirty. It's fine, I know her husband, she knows my wife. We're just having fun, everybody be cool. Please welcome Ana Ortiz. It's like one of those interviews where we pretend that we're not dear friends and that my my kids don't call you uh, TT. We're going to, but there's still, you know, it's funny. I've known you for it's close to twenty years now, and uh, no, it is. I've I've done the math and um, (laughs) and but there's still stuff I don't know about you, which is fun. Um, So we 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 both grew up in in New York. Did you go to see a lot of theater when you were growing up?
1: Um, well, every year from my birthday, I was uh, my mom took me to a Broadway play. So that was like my big birthday present every year. So I didn't you must see have seen a... some
0: amazing stuff, though.
1: I did. I mean, it was always a musical for me because sure, sure. You know, I was young and that was my jam. Um, You
0: you didn't go see uh, Plenty or uh, you (laughs) you didn't check out whatever Tom Stoppard was offering when you were eight? No.
1: I missed The Iceman, Cometh, all of that. (laughs) was the one. I remember the one that got Labyrinth sort of started though, back in the day, like when I just had graduated college, probably like 1993, Um, they were doing a play. I want to say the play was called like The Spanish Prisoner.
0: No, it wasn't. It was called Death and the Maiden. It was and it Death had and the an all-white cast. All-white cast playing South American uh, Yeah, that characters.
1: was it. That was it. You're right. Death and the, Ma- Death and the Maiden.
0: I know um, that sounds... It sounds really impressive that I pulled that out of... Uh, out but you of remember it because
1: it was like a thing.
0: It was a thing, and also it comes up in the Mike Nichols book that just came out because Mike Nichols directed that production and uh, as a reaction to... Gene Hackman, Richard Dreyfus, and Glenn Close playing South American characters, this incredibly vibrant Latino theater community went, uh, you know what? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we really did. And that was, I mean, I wasn't there when Lab was, you know, the inception of Lab, but I was there shortly after. So and I would see it, but I did see a lot of off-Broadway stuff. I went, we saw a lot of, because my mom was friends, do you remember? This playwright called Elizabeth Suedos, she wrote mm-hmm. a musical called Runaways. Yeah, Yeah, right, Runaways. Yeah, of course. So my mother was good friends with Elizabeth Suedos' girlfriend at the time, whose name was Judy, who was a piano player. But she was also worked in the mental health world, which is where my mother was. So uh. anyway, so so I would see a lot of that kind of, um, you know, those little musicals that were off, off Broadway. And stuff. Like what? Well, Runaways, I saw probably... I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times I saw it. Oh, it was at the
0: public, wasn't it?
1: It was at the public. It was also, it, w- it went to a couple of different theaters, if I remember. Um, I wish I had such a good memory as you to remember what other shows I saw. I remember seeing something at, wasn't it called The Mama? Was it called The Mama.
0: La Mama. La Mama. La Mama. Yeah. Ellen Stewart's we, place in the Lower yes, East, uh, East Village, stopped, yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, we went down there. My mother took me to my mom a lot. I remember it being very sort of like experimental. I remember, you know, sort of just like very poetic and very sort of not my, my scene at all as like an 11-year-old. Well, that's
0: child. the funny thing about growing up in, in New York is that you see stuff that, you know, a lot of our peers didn't, discovered till their 20s. Like my mom was dating an actor and I ended up in the audience of a Richard Foreman piece when I was like 13, like what the fuck is happening right now? And it was ostensibly about apartheid, but I couldn't really follow it. And, and it's such a bizarre childhood growing up in New York. It is, I wouldn't have traded it
1: for the world.
0: No, no, no. No question. No but qu- it was... I could have stayed and maybe get mugged a little bit less often as a child. I would have, I, I would have preferred that. But um, if it's a trade-off between that and all the theater, yeah, okay, fine. Um, what, was there a point, since you're going to the theater pretty early on in life, was there a point when you were like, oh, this is something I could do for a living? Do you remember there being like, or was it just always the goal?
1: It was all I mean, I also went to the ballet quite a bit because I was a big ballerina for so long. And that was sort of my that was my dream at first. Um but I think I always, always wanted to perform. And I think I know for sure Runaways, again, this musical is about a bunch of kids, about a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. I think Diane Lane was in it. She Diane Lane like was in it, yeah. Um and the music was so powerful. It also was the first time I saw Puerto Ricans on stage, literally speaking Spanish, talking about being Puerto Rican, wearing a Puerto Rican flag um, in that. Your parents show. didn't take you to
0: see Short Eyes. Huh. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> their choice, I guess. That's, no. a, that's, a one for, that's a deep cut for the theater nerds in our audience. <laughs> I eyes, right?
1: love it. Short Eyes. Nieto, right? See. Si. Um, yeah, no, I think Tony Plana was in Short Eyes.
0: No kidding, was he? I think so. Oh, we're going to talk about Tony in a moment, but yeah. you're saying so you're you're watching Runaways and there's this sudden blast so, of representation.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, you you hear that a lot nowadays of like seeing yourself represented on TV. That was a complete non-issue. I never saw any Puerto Ricans on TV really, except for I think the neighbor in Sanford and Son. That actor, that character actor, he's Puerto Rican. He just passed away recently. I wish Gregory I Gregory Sierra.
0: Him.
1: Yeah, and he was Puerto yeah. Rican, and he, I would see him, and he would always, you know.
0: He was he China. was uh he was um Chano on Barney Miller as well.
1: Yeah, and he was um he was like he was on soap. He like kidnapped
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. He's like, he's like a Cuban revolutionary or <laughs> yeah. something on soap. And and he but because because ethnic was just that, ethnic yeah. um <laughs> he played uh, an Israeli soldier in uh the Family. <laughs> 'Cause in the seventies, if you were ethnic, you played all ethnicity. You could that do it all. It. You just I mean, you did absolutely everything.
1: That that was one of the good good things, right? Um I guess so. I
0: don't I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. There's probably a couple of Israeli actors who would disagree with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I thought I think runaways was a real game changer for me on a lot of different levels.
0: I bet, um, yeah. yeah. For um sure. so so you went to LaGuardia High School, which yeah. is this performing arts public school in New York City. It's literally right behind Lincoln Center. You have to audition in the eighth grade to get into this school. That's crazy. Yeah. I knew so many people who didn't get in and a couple who did. More who didn't, though. Um, You don't remember what you auditioned with, do you?
1: Um, I think... I remember that year, every single person was auditioning. Oh, God, you know how cheesy I am? You want to know how fucking bad I, my eighth grade brain was? I well, do you know, know what? It
0: Let's let, let it be said that your eighth grade brain is 13 years old, and we all make mistakes. I think
1: I sang a song from the movie Fame.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you fucking did. Did you do Out Here on My Own?
1: I did Out Here on My Own. <laughs> <laughs> that's I how hate, fucking stupid I, I, I was
0: so quickly. I hate that. Well, that's really
1: show. the audition song, isn't it? I mean, I sing the Body Electric. Of course, you could do, but I sure, think sure. really, Mike if Lee you Club know, did it. Yeah. I my. was. You know, Irene Cara was my fucking everything. I just thought she was just about the most beautiful, the most talented.
0: So you sang a song from Fame, which takes place in New York's just High School awful. for the Performing Arts awful. in order to get into New York's High School for the Performing just Arts. terrible. And I got in. Then what's the story? Then there we got it. Boom.
1: <laughs> but but I Ends remember a, I, I remember them saying specifically, um, uh, they they had signs posted like, we're really sorry, but you can't audition with, um, I believe, the Chinchown Future. <laughs> they had a okay. sign. Because everybody was, this is, I think, like, you know, I don't know. Everybody was singing that song for some reason.
0: Everyone was coming in with greatest love of all. At,
1: or was at, it greatest love of all? No, I think it was I Believe the Children of the
0: Future. Aren't that the same thing.
1: Yes, it is. Okay. Um,
0: you have to
1: forgive me. I'm-
0: it's totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> when did you start smoking pot?
1: Uh, about kidding. 14. Oh, 14. There you have it. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. So there's some connections here. I'm noticing some through lines. Um, I used to play at a punk bar on the, in the East village that had a sign over the bar that said you could get kicked out if you yelled "Freebird." <laughs> if you were going to be a smart ass and yell free bird at the band, they'd right. kick you the fuck out. I never saw it? anybody test it.
1: <laughs> oh, New York.
0: Um, what kind of uh, what kind of stuff did you you do at Laguardia? I know you guys had um, in lieu of gym, you had dance, uh, which I find uh, endlessly hilarious.
1: Well, I um, didn't because I was a voice major. So oh, okay. We had regular gym.
0: You weren't a theater major; you were a voice major. Wow. Was, okay. Yeah,
1: I was a voice major, not theater. Um, and then I wanted to change to theater because. I was in, the, the, the vocal department was just not my, it was like chamber songs. And, oh, you know, right. it was just, I didn't think that's what it was going to be. I wanted to be like in the gospel chorus and, you know, singing mm-hmm. pop songs. Um, but I guess we had regular gym. We had a lot of, we had music theory, which was like algebra for me and
0: so terrifyingly awful. Can you read music? Uh No. Laboriously, slowly?
1: Yes, laboriously and slowly I can. I can follow absolutely and I've got good pitch and uh all that stuff. Let the record show
0: that Anna sang at my wedding and (laughs) You had said you were a singer, but we had not actually heard you sing when we asked you to do it. So it was a gamble, but it paid off beautifully. Uh, You sang Place for Us from West Side Story. It was lovely. Highlight of the service. Um, You and the bagpiper are all anybody talks about.
1: The bagpiper! That was so Um, cool.
0: But it was was a, a lovely moment. Did you get to do musicals at LaGuardia? No. No, really.
1: They don't let you perform until I think, you know, um, I think your junior year, they don't let you perform. It's like playing
0: college basketball. You just ride the bench for like two years or something. You ride the
1: bench. You ride the bench. And then I left. I left LaGuardia and I went to a couple different other schools that kept shutting down.
0: So. um, They kept shutting down?
1: Yeah. Well, I was at a school called Rhodes. And the principals were embezzling all the money. So then they had to shut that school down while they went to jail. Sure. And they sent us to McBurney, which if you remember was called McBurnout.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: we, we live and we went. So my diploma still said roads. But for some reason, we were at McBurney, I guess, because oh, they had to close roads roads which is now like the kids museum little kids museum on 83rd street
0: oh i don't i I haven't been back in in forever i don't i don't know that space at at all i remember McBurnout, and i remember finding that hilarious um (laughs) but i don't uh i don't remember roads that's insane So you got to do some theater in your twenties in New York. I remember you telling me that you were in a well wasn't even local. You did a tour of hair in Europe.
1: So you remember back in the day, I don't know if they still have it, but there was a magazine called Backstage. Yeah and lines. and and it was all a uh, newspaper, I should say, all the uh, cattle call auditions in the back. And I um had just graduated.
0: It's all cattle call auditions and also ads for plastic surgeons, which <laughs> <laughs> uh, less said, the better. But it's uh, I was well, the first time I started buying backstage on the regular. I was struck by how ugly that newspaper thought it was. <laughs> yes,
1: I mean, really, and and I mean, I don't know. Did you go on those cattle calls? I went on so many of them.
0: I went. Uh, I mean, because I'm not a musical theater person, so I was a little less compelled to. I must have gone on. Actually, yeah, technically, my first. Um, it was a suggestion of a friend, but my first audition was for uh, an improv group, for a non-paying improv group, oh my was, gosh. there was an ad in backstage for that, yeah. But I think it, I think my musical theater friends relied on that a lot more because they were going to, because the cattle calls needed huge ensembles. Yeah. And, and
1: I think, you know, from at least back in the day, I don't know that it's true anymore, but I think, you know, you, you could conceivably get cast from the... Um, from the cattle calls, like I, I did. I got this European tour of Hair, the musical Hair, and for that, I sang my audition. I sang, <laughs> I sang Amazing Grace, and really? uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a really good uh, song choice picker. I think because a bunch of hippies like doing drugs. Like, why am I singing a song? You know, Amazing, like, why am I singing a, a spiritual? One of the oldest
0: American spirituals. <laughs> it's a bold choice. But it works, <laughs> is the thing. You keep making it these works. weird decisions. It
1: does and work. And you keep
0: being rewarded for it. That's crazy, This is a right? fascinating trend in your career.
1: <laughs> so I remember here, and oh, and so this, you know, no cell phones, no anything. I remember uh, getting a call back for the, for the, from the cattle call. Super excited. Because I think I was probably number like 230 at first. 230.
0: This is one of those enormous uh, audition uh, rooms in, like, the West 40s. hmm Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly.
1: And what's his name? Who wrote it? I can't think of it now.
0: Galt McDermott?
1: Galt McDermott. He's the one that's still alive, right?
0: Uh, he is not, but it's pretty recent that he passed. He was the yes. composer. He was the composer. So then he
1: was there. Wow. And he's a maniac. He was on tour with us. Oh he's my God. bonkers banana. Nice, very sweet guy, but really hot like drugs did a number on him and then um and and again but super nice very creative uh so then I got the call back and I remember like going to the call back, coming back home and not wanting to leave the house because what if I missed the phone call and you know I just wanted to you know and
0: did you have one of those janky answering services
1: no I didn't yet I think I but I'm sure I had like because I'm still at my mother's house (laughs) No shame. So I had, um, yeah, I had just graduated college and came back to New York. And, you uh, went to college
0: in, uh, in Philly, right? Philly School I of did. the Arts.
1: Philly, Philly. Yeah. Philly. Philly University of the Arts. It was great. I really, I had a wonderful time. Completely changed my life. That I'm thinking now, you know, about college for my kids and stuff, and I feel like it's so much less necessary now, unless you really know what you're doing. Like, I feel like I got lucky because I knew what I wanted to do and I could focus that college experience, honing that skill. And I got both my union cards and I got to do theater and I really, you know, and I was studying Shakespeare and, you know, all kind like really, but just becoming a grounded artist, masculine class and movement and uh you know speech right and learning a, how to do accent clown
0: and- no
1: really right and I'd, every year was a different thing like the first year they like broke us down second year was method acting third year was you know whatever it was And third year we had to do our own one person show whatever all i'm saying is like i my college experience was very sort of great because i knew what i was doing now now you know i wonder if for kids if you don't know what you're doing you're going to go and spend all that money on a thing and then be in debt for the rest of your life and not know what to are do
0: yeah i mean i think if you've got drive and direction then you should absolutely go focus on that but i don't know that having drive and direction at 18 is a is that necessary you know i i i yeah. i i mean I, I you know granted our you know, there's, there's a generation ahead of us that would suggest that, you know, well, when by 18, by 14, you knew three languages and a trade and that's fine. Okay. You also <laughs> died at 48, but you know, that's uh, uh, not for me to say. Um, <laughs> what was your, so, uh, but you, you mentioned something, we're going to get back to the hair tour, but you, you said something about having to put together your own one person show in college. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: What was that? What's this? That What's
1: was this? so brutally hard. So difficult. But um, John Leguizamo had just come out with his first solo show, which I think was called Mambo Mouth. Yeah, that's right. And it—I mean—that made my head explode. It was so brilliant and so funny and so good, and really spoke to me on, like, you know, it just—it just really inspired me on so many levels. And so I—I I did end up doing like one or two of the monologues from Mambo Mouth. I think one. I just, because I ended up sort of just doing, following his thing of like doing different characters. Right. So I did two two monologues from his show. And then I took some Puerto Rican poets and um, turned their, the, the, these really beautiful, you know, because the, the, it was contemporary poetry. It was like from the 70s um, and 80s from like New Rican Poets Cafe and stuff. So it was, it's right. very kind of slam like poetry. It wasn't like I was up there being like, you know, I, I don't actually know any poetry,
0: so my mistress's um, eyes are nothing like the sun. Thank you. Um, exactly. I had, to go, I had to go back to the early 1600s, but I get your point.
1: <laughs> you get my point, point. and so it was. It was that, and then I also sang a song in Spanish called "Vera de Luz," which is about the the island and sort of it not having its own, um, not being free, and and you know being sort of a yeah. colony, and yeah, and it and. It, it was, it was great. It, it was really great. But I, I, you know, big shout out to John Lekwisamo for sort of like, cause I just didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I it, it was so broad, the scope that they gave us. It's like, you got 45 minutes on stage by yourself. There was no outline. There was no sort of like. It should be this or it should be that, you know, so it, it was daunting to say the least.
0: <laughs> but I mean, it sounds like an artistic boot camp to a certain extent, though. You got For sure. 45 minutes with you at a time when you, it's not like you have a ton of like, it's not like you did, you know, two years in country and Nam or something. You know, you've you <laughs> yes, got exactly. like, you're young as hell.
1: Young as hell, you know, and, you know, also... I wanted it to be, you know, the one thing that that university also really brought home for me was the fact that like, as being Puerto Rican is, uh, something that, uh, I, I really needed to bring more of myself, more of that part of myself to my art and to who I am as an actor. I think, you know, one of my teachers, he was so brilliant, Johnny Hobbs Jr. He was very, you know, like, you're up here, you know, doing this. And, you know, he's like, who are you? Who are you? You know, you're a Puerto Rican woman. Like, what are you doing? And so they really, I really wanted the solo show to sort of represent that. But I didn't have any, again, like there wasn't a lot of Latin representation in theater, on screen, you know, books. Like it wasn't a thing I could sort of adapt into, you know, like, there was a one point where I was like, oh, I'll do a, I'll do a one-person show on Lolita Lebron, who was the Puerto Rican revolutionary who shot up Congress in the 50s, you know. But then I was like, I, like I'm going to... Let's research. Is that acting? Am I acting? Is it... Dr-? You know, I just it was like, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to... It just, the whole thing became a nightmare. And then luckily, like we came through. And I was like, that's what you do.
0: That's Amazing. how you do it. <laughs> you know... I want to talk for a moment about the, about the, the, the hair tour, but I, I, I have a lot of questions about, about, I don't want to, you know, you're not going to speak for all Latinas in, in, on this, uh, this podcast, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's things, there's trends I've noticed. Let's talk about the, uh, the hair, uh, tour for a moment. How long were you out on the road?
1: Oh my gosh. Like six, seven months. We went to all over Germany and the Netherlands Um, performing
0: obviously in English
1: performing in English we had groupies you don't know this was insane we had for real groupies who would follow us from town to town at the end of the show they would like throw joints up on stage especially in the Netherlands of course well
0: yeah come on
1: Um,
0: Amsterdam gonna Amsterdam
1: Amsterdam gonna Amsterdam that city I love Johnny let's run away and move there together and leave everyone else behind
0: okay we've got it on tape now (laughs) that's uh I say it, I'm the bad guy. But
1: okay. <laughs> um, you know how much I love and adore you. And, and Amsterdam it's,
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun city. It's a fun city.. It's, so it's a good time, in uh, Amsterdam.
1: So um, so we we toured around and every, it was a really cool learning experience. It was really fun. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. That's I mean you just, it's go just go and it's the first. best. I that sang Frank so Mills, bro. I sang Frank Mills, one of the I best songs. I know you sang
0: Frank Mills. In the show. I love Frank Mills. I actually, you did a revival in the early aughts <laughs> that, that I got to <laughs> see you in. In
1: Frogtown.
0: And in Frogtown. um, at, um <laughs> what is that place called? The Riverside? What was that space? R- Knightsbridge. 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 Knightsbridge um, Theater. And you sang... You played that role and sang Frank Mills, which is this beautiful love song that doesn't rhyme.
1: I love that song so much.
0: Give me a little. Give me a couple bars. It's for use. Go ahead.
1: Okay. I met a boy called Frank Mills on September 12th, right here in front of the Waverly. But unfortunately, I lost his address.
0: Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Uh, That's don't anymore. I got to... Oh man.
1: I love that flippin' song. That song oh, is such
0: a gorgeous. You've, ever heard, you've probably heard the Lemonheads version of it. No! Oh, there's a beautiful cover that Evan Dando does where he doesn't change the gender at all. He doesn't, he doesn't isn't one of those uh those singers who goes, Well, if I'm mm-hmm. gonna sing it, I'm gonna have to flip the genders. No, yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's just a, a guy who's fallen in love with Frank Mills. <laughs>
1: love it. Everybody loves Frank Mills.
0: It's such a beautiful song. Um, so you you brought up um you brought up the teacher who was trying to get you to kind of own your ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Having watched both the business writ large and your individual career for low these past two decades, there's this bit this fascinating shift where I've seen you go from the designated Latina in a cast (laughs) to one of several Latinas, all of whom have different personalities and (laughs) goals and ideas about the world. Mm -hmm. And it's been remarkable to watch that shift. I met you on a legal sitcom uh, uh, called AUSA that aired for eight weeks in uh, (laughs) early 2003. You were... You were the third ethnic cast member we had had. We had shot one pilot with an actor.
1: Single camera, right?
0: We shot a single camera pilot with an actor who was very, very cool. And they replaced him. And we shot a multicam pilot. And they put a different actor of color in that role. A woman this time. Also very pleasant. Um, Mm -hmm. she got let go. And then you joined us in the second episode of our, of our eight episode run. And the whole, it was my crash course in the business. This was my first gig. And I was just very struck by like, so we can just switch out ethnic
1: people. Is that what's (laughs) happening here? And I didn't even know any of that until y'all told me that. Fucking thank God,
0: by the way. Thank (laughs) God you didn't know that.
1: I auditioned in New York for that, by the way. I was home.
0: Yeah, so you, but you had lived in LA.
1: I had been in LA, but then I came home because the lab was doing a whole bunch of really cool things and I wanted to be back home. And, you know, I didn't know you. And LA is a really, really lonely, difficult place when you don't have... Your people, and uh, yeah. I didn't have you. I met you then at NAUSA, and that sort of changed the entire course we of my- We met at the photo
0: shoot. We didn't even That's meet at, at, a, at a table read or anything. We met at the photo shoot. We're That's like, this right. is Anna. She's the new, uh, and her character is named Anna because imagination <laughs> abounds in television.
1: <laughs> was my name Anna on
0: that? It was. It was Anna Rivera.
1: Oh, <laughs> which, by the way- is my family's name.
0: I know that. It's I'm your, the it's, only it's... Ortiz,
1: except my dad and my sister and my brother.
0: Rivera is your... My father's your...
1: my mother, my father's mother,
0: my grandmother. Your father's mother, your grandmother, right? Your, your, um... Wait, is that the abuela who told you you should call somebody in particular?
1: Oh, yes. She told me when I started coming out to, to try to act in LA that, ay, Peruana, you should call Jennifer Lopez because she is so famous. I love and she story. used to live right down the street from your uncle, from your tío, Tío Kike, in Tío Varo. And I'm telling you, you need to call her. And then she would also call me whenever Walter Mercado told said her that Aquario was having a really good month. So, Listen, Walter said, Walter said, this is your month, so you should go auditioning and you need to call Jennifer Lopez. I was like, yeah, okay, Grandma, I'm going to call Jennifer. I'm just gonna call her up. Be like, "What's up, What's Jenny? Are you wrong? home? Are you yeah.
0: home, Montana? Pick up, 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 pick up." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I love your abuela so much. May she Thanks rest. So um, May the rest. um, yeah, they had. You would actually. I think they had asked you what your last name should be, and you were you pulled Rivera out of a hat, and they were like, "Boom, done."
1: I love it. Print I us really- a call
0: sheet. Ridiculous. but so you are you know so on that show, you are you are our uh in a show that not for nothing took place in New York City, you were a lone Puerto Rican, no further <laughs> comment um, and oh, I had a great time on that show, I'm not knocking anybody, love, I enjoyed love. myself, love so made incredible friends on that show, I'm yeah, still in touch with you and. I, well, you're my absolute favorite, but I still, I, I keep in touch with Rich Appel, who was our showrunner. But then oh your God. next big gig after that was Ugly Betty. That had to have been a seismic shift. I mean, it was definitely a seismic shift in terms of your career, but in terms of the type of work you were doing.
1: Ugly Betty, man, that changed everything. And you're right. And in, t- in terms of the work, exactly, because it was America's goal. You know, she was like, I don't I'm I'm ready for the day you're when it's spe- not- you're
0: speaking about America for her. Oh, Aurora, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify real quick, because I got lost for a moment. I'm like, what is yes, America's goal? America's goal.
1: <laughs> America. Um, she she basically she was like, I just want. I'm I'm ready for the day to come when it's not about a Latin family. It's just it's just a family, and we happen to be Latin. Um, oh, wow. And so she, you know, she, and she, she God, my lord, you know how young she was when she started that. I think 24 um but she really re- or younger no maybe younger uh, anyway um but that changed everything also working with tony you know working with america vanessa judith light like such pros and such like a cool family vibe from jump
0: um also what so cool, you know about that show was that you know it, it completely flipped the dynamics so like Michael Urie is now the token white guy, ta-da! <laughs>
1: yes, and for all you actors out there, just FYI, Michael Urie was only supposed to be, they were They were, They were. were gonna change out the assistant every week, every episode there was gonna be a new assistant. The joke was like that Murphy Brown thing where like Vanessa, well I mean, I couldn't keep an assistant because she was so cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael showed up that week, you know, that were well, 10 days that we're shooting the pilot, and was so flippin' brilliant, and so funny, and so kind, and so good to work with. And he and Vanessa got along so well that it changed everything. And that whole
0: running gag just went out. That the room. whole running gag just, like, went. We have this great room. actor who we can use to do so many things. And he had a great, great run on that show.
1: Oh my god, he is so flippin' amazing. Everybody on that show, really. So, it, it was so yeah, it just goes cast. to show you guys never, no, you never know. Go in there guns blazing all the time.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What was, so the family was Mexican? Family's well, Mexican.
1: isn't that hilarious? I didn't know that we were Mexican. And I don't know what. Because Tony's,
0: Tony's Cuban. Cuban. America's South American. Where's Honduran. Honduran, right? Um, and you're, you're Puerto Rican and Irish. And, and then at some point they announced that you guys were all actually Mexican. Surprise. <laughs>
1: and little Mark... Marky's Italian with a yeah. little, little Sousson of the Rican in him from his father's side.
0: Suzanne of Recon. Was that uh, was that the title of your one person show? And if not, why not?
1: <laughs> Should have been though, goddammit. Damn it, John Ross. I yeah. knew you I've met you too late in my life.
0: <laughs> Monday morning quarterbacking.
1: Um <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what did you ask me? That was so fucking funny.
0: No, it's just interesting. Like, at what point did you discover the family oh, it was Oh, well, Mexican. I
1: didn't, but I went into the audition, you know, and I was so New York, Puerto Rican, like, forget it. That was like how I saw Hilda. Yeah. And I got the gig and I never, so it never even occurred to me that we would be Mexican until that first day. And, and, and uh, La Nena... Uh, America's wearing that poncho that says Guadalajara.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh my God. That's right. And
1: I was like, I was like, I'm literally the most Puerto Rican Mexican that I don't know how to, how do we explain it? And then I was thinking, well, you know, maybe they're Mexican, but they grew up all around Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. Right. Right. Because it was Rico Park,
0: wasn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't it take place in deep Queens somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Like the house, which now,
1: nowadays, there's so many more Mexicanos in New York, so many more. But back in the day when we were growing up, it was not, it was really all Caribenos, right? I mean, it was all like Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, a splash of Cubans, but not really, not
0: many. Not Not many, it was Dominican, Puerto Rican, especially the outer boroughs, especially Queens. Queens, apparently, I say this as a native, has. The, the the statistic is something like more languages spoken in the smallest amount of space. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Is that it. right? Yeah, yeah. Que- yeah Queens yeah. is uh, is magical. It's my first and last home in New York. Um the first four years and my last three years were we in Queens and it's a uh, it's a magical place and uh my friends are getting priced out of it now. Anyway, isn't that um, a It's bonkers. like Ridgewood, oh. mass like not even on the subway line, like no. subway and a bus if they're getting priced out. <laughs>
1: A bus. I can't. I really can't.
0: No. Um, were you surprised by how well? I mean, well, first of all, Ugly Betty was based on a on an existing telenovela franchise.
1: Yeah, which was like the biggest show in Latin America.
0: Yeah, huge ever. show, Betty LaFea. <laughs> La and um, but were you surprised at how well the the English language version did?
1: I don't think I was because. You know, Johnny, when you're doing something every once in a while, like it's a project that you feel like, holy moly, this is really exceptional and special and challenging and cool and hilarious. And I can't believe I'm working with these. Like, it just felt so magical. I mean, down to the costumer, down to Pat Field doing our costumes, for God's sake. I'm glad you, you know,
0: shouted out your costumer. Your, your wardrobe on that show was pretty exemplary.
1: Pardon me. Can I say a really bad word on this show? Yeah, by all means. So a Pat is a New York icon. I mean, yeah. she is she is New York. And you remember going like down to her store in like eighth grade. I mean, maybe you didn't because you were a boy, but like we went down to, to her store and she had all the cool stuff and loved her, loved her. She's there in front of my face, fitting me, putting a costume on me, and she's looking and she smokes cigarettes. She's like 70 and she has magenta hair. She's smoking inside, by the way, <laughs> in the costume room. <laughs> she don't give a fuck, and she's like, "I don't know this outfit." And she stands back. This outfit, it needs to be more cunty. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, it needs to be more cunty." Like that is, I couldn't have picked a better fucking description for what I needed to to be, you know. Putting out at that moment.
0: Well, given that we're not a visual medium here, what how do you how do you increase the quantification of a wardrobe in this case? Well,
1: see, that's the thing. I don't know, but Pat oh, did it. Yeah. She, but like, what was I the mean, what was
0: the end result? Was was the end result like the animal prints?
1: Oh no! I always wore an animal print. No, this was like a really bizarre outfit. I think it was like head to toe yellow. It was literally like I. It was it was so bananas, and she wanted to put a fucking turban on me <laughs> and I was like I love you Pat and I will try it on but I'm not wearing a turban and that's she and I was like Boulevard. I was I know and I was like that's not cunty that's not cunty that's and that's what I said it's like it's just a little too old lady it's a little too sunset of life um so I don't know. We figured out it was this. It was just this crazy yellow banana outfit with these insane heels, and then like a you know a waist. But I, I don't even know what it was, but it it was you know it, it was cunty.
0: <laughs> well, great. It's, a, it's it comes up on the show so much how how important it is to just kind of stand back and let the costumes do some of the heavy lifting sometimes. A hundred. Comes I don't up know a lot on the show.
1: Oh man, for me, it's a pair of shoes. I can do it or nails can do it mm. a lot of time, you know, for me, or, you know, lifting my tits up to my fucking chin like I did for Hilda. Yeah. Padded bras. <laughs> you know? The trend
0: I noticed in, um, in Hilda, in Marisol on Devious Maids,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: uh, the character on Love Victor, the more recent show. There is a tendency for you to present as incredibly strong bad motherfucker, and then all of a sudden, this crack of vulnerability shows, and and we're floored by it because we had we did not see it coming. I'm thinking specifically on on Betty of the time your uh, spoiler alert uh, your fiance dies, and and you spend uh, an episode. Well, you spent an episode talking to him in your room, and it isn't until the end of the episode that we realized that he's not recuperating, he's in fact died. Um, were you did they kind of spring that on you? Did they say, Listen, we've got something coming that's going to really kind of push you to some new places? Um,
1: well, first of all, I want to say that's the nicest compliment I've ever gotten, and I really, really appreciate what you said. That's really sweet. I've never thought about it, and then when I'm I like that. I've never sort of put it into context like that. But that was that was really nice. You're so sweet. You're Well, my I'm best
0: a big friend. I'm a fan. And and <laughs> I, I am. I'm a friend and a fan. But it is, it is striking. It is this. Um, because what it well, let me back up. Let me reframe the question a little bit. What is it about you that I think everyone is like, oh, she is our strong woman. She's our she is our our rock. What did you present
1: myself that way? I think I really do. I think, I think, you know, just being from New York, just being, you know, honestly, really, like, I think that that has influenced a lot of my life. And like you said, it wasn't, we grew up in the 70s and 80s. It wasn't New York now. It was tough, it was rough, and you had to fucking, even if you were soft, you still had to like put on a face of like, don't fuck with me, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and again, and I don't mean to say that I lived in a childhood of fear. It was absolutely the opposite. I, I, I loved, anyway, you get what I'm saying. It's just, you have a sort of a toughness about you when you grow up in New York, for better or worse. But for example, I was on set doing Victor and I had this scene, this scene, uh, in this season, this year, and I catch Victor, spoiler alert, Victor and Benji in bed, like having sex, full on sex, full on Hulu now, right? So we can get a little deeper. And, uh, and, and I freak out and I go out and he comes out and we have this confrontation in the living room and I, and the, and I come out, like I come out of my face, like, what were you thinking? And I'm like yelling at him like this. And, and Michael, the actor who plays Victor, brilliant, brilliant, amazing young kid.
0: Yeah, he's really good. Oh, he's so good. Oh, he's so good. Really oh, he's, good. So good. Yeah. he's so
1: good. He's so good. And he he backs up, like he like, you know, shies away from my thing. And the director, we finished the scene, director cuts, goes, I, so Michael, I just wondered, you know, after when Isabel yelled at you, like, why you backed up and why you backed away. And the whole set got kind of quiet. And I turned around and I looked at her and I was like, Why have you met me? <laughs> And the whole crew started laughing because I guess, you know, I I do tend to be kind of a loud, rambunctious yeller.
0: But <laughs> most I, wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize you as hostile.
1: No, but sometimes if I'm yelling at you, it, it's very hostile. Not you particularly. I've never had a cause to yell at you. But... um you know, like when I was yelling at Michael and he just kind of recoiled and, and I was like, well, it's just, I think it's just, I came at him a little too hard. Um, but it's so exciting then to be able to, as an actor, sort of each, each person is different. Isn't, it? I mean, like Isabel was so challenging for me because she's so conflicted about her son being gay. When you know me, I've Begged and pleaded for the fates to allow my son to be born gay. <laughs> like right. I you're just a real
0: life son. You, yes, you yeah. Roughly. No, you're you're nothing if not an ally. <laughs> and uh, we'll skip ahead to that. What's interesting about about Love Victor is that it's not a tidy like you know the parents are super cool with it or the parents are super bad about it. Isabella would probably characterize herself as fairly liberal, but sh- this is a this is a thing with which she is not comfortable. Yeah. And I mean, do you know moms like that?
1: I don't, I don't really, well, that's not true. I do, I do know moms who are like that. They don't, they don't necessarily have gay children, but like when I've spoken to this about my cousins or something, especially on my Puerto Rican side, for better or worse, um, that when I, I would say something to that effect, like, oh, I, I, I really wish Rafi were gay, my son. And they were horrified. Just horrified, like, oh, why would you ever want that? You know, and and so so yeah. I mean, I've I've definitely heard that I in want my life. to
0: go to musicals with until I'm an old lady what because you, he
1: will never leave me. Will always take care of me, and his husband will be obsessed
0: with me. And I thank you for your candor. Um, <laughs> but it's so interesting. I I it's so fun when a director does let you. A director or a script allows you to kind of fall apart at the seams. Yeah. It is so much more effective than if you spend the whole season crying.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I, it's so scary to me, those scenes. They're so daunting and they're so, I build myself up and it's so scary. I have my own playlist for them. Like when I have What's to do it? Into these.
0: Is that too personal?
1: No, no, not at all. I, I mean, half the songs, I don't, like there's a Pete Seeger song called um, To My Old Brown Earth, which is so, so, so Beautiful and so sad. Um, Let's see what's on it. Oh, Mother Nature's Son by the Beatles. Stay with me, Bette Midler. Grandma's Hands, Bill Withers.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, So this is the, what is this? This is the sobbing playlist? This this is is the the sobbing
1: playlist. Oh, very young, Cat Stevens. Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) To my old brown earth. It's a Pete Seeger song, but it's sung by a woman called Pat Humphreys. Really, I highly recommend people listen to it it if you want to cry. Um, Then, you know, then there's other songs. This is so corny. If I told you, you might not be my friend anymore. True. The Rainbow Connection, sung by Weezer and Haley Williams.
0: Rainbow Connection destroys me. The only thing that destroys me worse than Rainbow Connection is I'm going to go back there someday from the same film. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, God. The one Gonzo sings by the campfire. No. That no. one fucking kneecaps me. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. Oh, and There's bird on, bird on the on the word
0: yet for old friends who've just met.
1: Oh, I'll start crying right now, John Ross.
0: Um, the, the, see, this is invaluable. This is the kind of stuff that I do this podcast for is like the hardcore, like what songs are going to get you there. Yeah. If you know, we're, it's 1130. <clears throat> that's right. In the morning, we're heading into meal penalty. That's right.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> we got to turn around. We're doing your coverage last before mm-hmm. lunch. Let's mm-hmm. fucking go. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of stuff that is so much more, I think, Hands-on, valuable than. Yeah. Uh, well, I did a lot of Meisner.
1: <laughs> no, you got to have a music. Pl- I mean, for me, I have to pl- have a music playlist. I would also suggest if you're lucky enough to be an actor and you're lucky enough to be on set and you're lucky enough to have one of these scenes, don't be afraid to. Because this took me literally a decade to learn, maybe even longer, just to advocate for myself. But if I do have an emotional scene, depending on where I'm at, um, sometimes I need to. Be first, have my coverage first. And sometimes I need to work into it and do it last. Most of the time, I like to do the really heavy emotional stuff first because. You know, it, it just is fresher, and it's right there, and your you know your emotions are right here and stuff. So for it me, it's
0: diminishing returns. Exactly. Yeah. You you know, I mean, there's an argument to be made that you got to build up to it, but there's an argument to be made also that like you are eventually going to run out of tears.
1: Yes, and you yeah. do, and one does, and I do, and no matter how many times I play, you know the saddest songs in the world it's still like at that point i'm like okay so you're gonna have to give me the menthol stick i can't like i can't squeeze out one
0: i've used the menthol stick i've used the menthol to... stick i've had like a little bit of it on my thumb and yeah. just like i'll reach up and touch yeah. my face yes!
1: that's so funny that's what i do i do when i have to cry in auditions which is really hard Oh i'll put brutal. a little tiny piece of the menthol right at the top of my pages
0: yeah, yeah. so that ooh, ooh. yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 Yep.
0: So mm-hmm. then, you br- when you turn the page, you brush it. It can just you touch like your face,
1: and then blow. Boom.
0: That's brilliant.
1: Yes, people. This is
0: this is going to be the most hands-on, practical episode of the podcast yes. thus far. Like you are you are presenting a toolkit.
1: <laughs> yes. To
0: the young actor.
1: Happy to do it. Any other questions? Please let me know. <laughs> Happy to do it. I, I yeah 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 definitely. I would also suggest everyone do theater. I mean, if you really want to you know do if you really want to get into it it's...
0: i haven't seen you do a play in like 15 years i
1: haven't done a play in 15 years i don't know it's not
0: was was ron turner at lunfish the last one you did i think so you did it was a production at the uh at what is that was called right before
1: Betty.
0: I think it got you. I think it helped get you, Betty. Yeah, I, I think, think it, it did too. Got you in the room for Betty because yeah. it was at uh, the Gary Marshall Theater. Gary Marshall's play, uh, Ron Turnit at Lungfish with Hector Elizondo, mm. um, another Puerto Rican I,
1: New York legend.
0: Another Puerto Rican New York legend. Um, uh, and both
1: of us, incidentally, both of us not playing Puerto Rican.
0: No, that's true. In, in roles originated by, I, unless I'm terribly mistaken, so George right. C. Scott and Callista right. Flockhart. <laughs> Callista Flockhart, who I'm gonna have to look up, is actually Dominican. No, she's not. That's not. That's not accurate. That's not not true. It is the funniest thing I've ever said. It's not true. (laughs) So yeah, so we've cited um, we've cited Leguizamo. Um, we've cited Hector Elizondo. Who were some other actors? Who were some other character actors that you were like, "Oh man, that's that's the career," or "That's the technique," or yeah. like, who are the people that that like jumped out at you when you were coming up?
1: Oh my god, that's a good question. I'm trying to think who was who was around at that point. What was I even watching? What I mean, well, I loved. I loved a good, you know, cop show. I would also, because you have to understand, right, there was like still only like four channels. <laughs> no, yeah, sure. <laughs> when no, I we're, was we're, coming we're up. months
0: apart. We're months yeah, exactly. apart. Yeah, I, I, I understand. So it that,
1: was yeah. always, yeah. Like, it was like Hill Street Blues. It was, you know, it was um, that kind of a thing. I was obsessed with. She was on a soap opera, and then she went on to Hill Street Blues. She was gorgeous, brunette. I can't remember what her name was.
0: Veronica Hamill?
1: No, but Veronica Hamill was amazing. Oh, mate, maybe I'm thinking of NY Blue. Sorry. Anyway, this is so boring, but I, I wish yeah. I could think of, like, uh, I mean, always, here's the thing, Johnny, if I'm being honest. Always, 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 always Julie Andrews, <laughs> till the day I die. Julie Andrews. Like Julie Andrews.
0: Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. We are pushing the definition of character actor, but I am here for it. (laughs) Um, What was it about?
1: I don't know because she was just my, like my world, my every Like I just thought she was everything. She was a beautiful singer. I loved Sound of Music to death. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So embarrassing.
0: No, not Um, at all, please.
1: And I, yeah, character actors, I mean, Robin Williams wasn't a character actor.
0: No, but he was he was a um he was a character actor who was almost forced into leading man stuff, though.
1: I was like obsessed with Mork and you know, Mork and Mindy obsessed. was my obsessed. Obsessed with obsessed. And Mindy. I had rainbow suspenders. I <gasps> mean oh no. <laughs> it was a whole situation. Um so, I don't know. And I, you know, the thing also I think is I never considered myself, did I ever tell you this? I never considered myself um, funny at all, like a funny actor, in other words. And I went, and when I got um, AUSA, I was so shocked because, here yeah, but I was, you was.
0: But you had done sitcom work I had done the year Kristen, before with, with Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen
1: Chenoweth, yeah. But I, w- I was just sort of, sort of, I thought that was kind of like they needed like a Latin for, you know, like I just thought. Okay, and, and I, I thought, oh, I went to meet with Fox, the, like the casting director of Fox, really nice woman, but it was super nerve-wracking. And she was like, so what do you see yourself doing? And I was like, well, I think, you know, I'd love to be in drama, and I think I'm a but I've been cast in mostly comedies since I've been in, in Los Angeles. And she was like, oh, well, that's because you're from New York. New Yorkers are just funny. And I was like, we are? We are okay, we are. all right. So why do you, you think guys, that is? Well, I think it's true.
0: I think it's true, too, but why do you think it is?
1: Um I think you I think in order to live in a city like New York and to thrive, um you've gotta just be a little loose and a little funny, and you've got to adapt, and you've gotta you if you were in New York and you were angry all the time, you would jump off a bridge. you know, and plus, there's just so much funny, stupid shit in New York. All the time, yeah. You know, and and like that. I think that's why because everyone is so funny in New York. It's true. I, I don't. I never thought of myself as funny because everyone else was exponentially funnier. You know, the guy on the subway who's you know what I mean doing whatever the fuck he's doing. And the fucking you know,
0: conductor has a tight. The line conductor. That he run at the comedy store. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just it's just one of those cities.
0: So it's sort of a defense mechanism. I think so to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think there's something to be said. I think we're all funny. I think we can all kind of dance.
1: Um, we can <laughs> yes.
0: all we can all speak a little Spanish. We can That's all speak right. a little Yiddish. A little Yiddish. Um, Yeah, it's it's. I think these are all really valid points, but I think a lot of it comes from um, just the. The coping mechanism, and even though it's a little weird, it skewed my perspective, when I tell people that I waited for the bus to school in front of both a straight and a gay porn theater, they're (laughs) taken (laughs) aback by that. And there's things that you and I take for granted, like, well, where did you wait for the bus? like, at the fucking corner down the street from my house, John, (laughs) the way we did in America.
1: Yeah, well, we weren't on the yellow school bus, we were on the city bus. Remember remember the the pass around our neck? No, please. You know, school bus for New Yorker kids?
0: Um, mm. uh, uh, do they still do bus passes or no? You get like a MetroCard. You must get like a Metro You card.
1: must get a MetroCard. You must. I don't know. Right? Mm-hmm. I just
0: have to issue you a Are conversation not- for a That's That's a whole different podcast. Yes. Uh, what were some... You've had such an incredible, incredible storied career. Um, what were... Uh, and I ask this of everybody. Don't take it personally. What was the role that got away?
1: Oh, my God, a million. There's so many. Like, recent. Um, <laughs> there's so many. I, I will say, and, and the thing is that it went to one of my dearest friends, who is a titan and a goddess and one of the best actresses I know. Um, best actors, fuck all that. Like, she's a flipping genius. But um, One Day at a Time with Justina. Justina oh, did you went for that.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: you me and her. Finita?
0: Oh, I love Justina.
1: Oh um, Like nobody else could have done that part. It was her part. But that was a that was brutal because you know Rita Moreno was in it already, and like it just it's you know that's the dream also like a multicam. I'd love to get back into to doing that. It's just so fun and funny, and I hadn't done anything like that in a long time. Right. Um, right. But like I said, that role was Justina was born to play that role. It was hers from, from the beginning. So. That's you know, it's, it makes it easier when it's someone that you love and respect. It's a lot harder when it's someone who sucks and gets yeah. the part. And... and I wouldn't
0: dream of asking you. We will take it off, Mike. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I've lost a few roles where I'm like, really, really. Best of luck, guys. Fuck that off. you have fun. You yeah. have fun with that.
1: Yeah, you just um, ruined your whole fucking show. But good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anna Ortiz, you remain my uh, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, uh, let's get the kids together soon.
1: I love you. I'm in love with you. All of
0: that. All of that. And that is an episode wrap on Anna Ortiz. You can follow Anna on Twitter or Instagram at the real Anna Ortiz and you should. Thanks Anna and thank you. Forever.